elevator etiquette. People are monsters. <laughs> I mean, we knew that. Yeah. Um, and people are especially monsters in elevators. Did you just walk in when after someone farted? What, what, no. What have they done to you? No. I mean, they're monsters in the types of social interactions and conversations they want to have in the elevator. Who wants to have conversations in an elevator? Monsters. Oh, my God. Yes. That is quite bad. Yes. Uh, the problem it, is you're friendly. Am I? I mean, yeah. You have a friendly affect. Well, thank you. A lot of people know who you are. Who? And you, when getting into the elevator, I feel like the population of people who might um, choose to engage for you at this particular organization uh, is relatively high. So I feel like you're just a, you're a soft target, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. So, and it's just, it's, it can be painful though, just mm -hmm. to, if, especially if you haven't had your coffee in the morning um, and you just have to, it's, it's, it's like the worst kind of it's small the talk. smallest talk. It's the smallest of small talk. And it's, and even for people who I like very much, people mm -hmm. who I can have great conversations with, right. I don't really want to talk to them in the elevator. Is it better or worse if there's any other people in the elevator? It depends. Okay. Okay. So if On it's, what? well, all right. So if it's, if you and I are in the elevator, just the two of us, totally fine. And, and we weren't at the same place before. So we we happen to we, we happen to be, to be taking the be, same take, elevator. Take the elevator. I'm totally fine with that, you know, right. and, and it's it's not awkward. Um, if there's a couple other people in the elevator who we don't know, that's less good but fine, you know, yeah. maybe we somewhat modulate our conversation. Right. But then well, I find myself editing it to be like I I'm very cognizant of of the fact that they're just pretending not to hear us. Yeah. Right. We're 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 eleven inches apart from each other. Yeah. So this is there's no privacy here. Right. Uh, and so I feel like even if you're talking about something mundane, I don't want to introduce these people. Like I, I I am most comfortable when you and I have a conversation. We're about to get on the elevator, and we both voluntarily just stop talking for twenty seconds as it goes for up or down, and then resume when we have legit privacy. Yes. So why doesn't everyone else follow that? Well, I, so there's some things that are really, so let's talk about the etiquette here. Okay. okay so what, what, what should be the, the norms and the values that we're espousing here? So, and I, I, I don't think that you can expect silence, Why right? Not? Well, you just can't because okay. not everybody's going to agree to it because I think also people feel uncomfortable with silence and they feel like they need to cut the air somehow or especially cut the air. Is that the right? <laughs> So, how I mean, you, you say, say you can say whatever you want. Cut the tension, no. Uh -huh. or, uh, fill the air. Fill the air. Um, so let's let's rank offensive, objectionable behavior okay. in an elevator, right? Uh, uh, from like worst, yeah, to, yeah. You know, to, okay. to, to, to least. So when I want, like, so one, if sorry, is, uh, one person on a phone. Oh uh, wow, yeah, a that. person on a phone. A person on a phone who says, uh, "Hang on a second, I'm on the elevator." It's a little annoying, but that's fine. A person who continues their conversation, yeah, albeit with like, you know, one syllable responses, right? It's like, uh huh. No, no, people who continue their and conversation. And then there are people who yeah. continue their conversation, which is worse, continuing their conversation on an elevator or somebody who has managed to maintain a conversation on the subway. Ooh. Yeah. On a, on, oh, uh, subway because it, it's confined space for longer you feel you feel like you're yeah. tra you're more trapped on a you're subway. more trapped yeah okay. yeah uh, I, depends on there's uh, you know other yeah uh, you're right because on a subway you're gonna be on there for a while on an elevator what's the longest you can and be possibly on and hopefully you're about to go in a tunnel right or, right. or something like that right <laughs> okay. um but so somebody who maintains their conversation with whoever's on the phone right so so the it's so someone on the phone the the best case scenario is they get off the phone yeah the next best 
uh, situation is they say, hold on one moment. Yeah. Uh, next best is they say, hold on, and then they truly are quiet. Right. Uh, next best is they say, oh, I'm in an elevator, and they just speak in, you know. Yeah, they just kind of say yes or no. Yes or no kind of things. And the next is someone who continues the conversation as if nothing As if changed. nobody's there. And then the worst, I would argue, is the person that has, you know, that thing where you have them on speakerphone, and you're talking into the phone, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. Who does that? People. What so- monsters? What sort of um, perverse extrovert is comfortable in that scenario? It's like, come on in. Yeah. What do they leave? The- so I, I've also noticed a, a thing in uh, the past couple of years, a trend of people on using FaceTime more um, and okay. using FaceTime um, uh, just around town. You know, hmm. like walking. And it's one thing uh, to use it with 4G. your with your. AirPods or your, you know, or, or no, no, headphones they, in. They've got it on speaker, but they have it on speaker. Yeah, and that's where it's. Oh my goodness, like a, that's, like this a, is like anti-social a Dick Tracy video phone. They're yeah. just they're just walking around with this, this open conversation happening. Yeah. All right, so that's bad etiquette. All okay. of that. So that's that's the Can we the talk one-sided about, conversation that you hear through a phone uh, call is the, like let's say that's among the worst. Yeah. The other bad etiquette is. Uh, trying to engage a conversation with people you don't know just to pass the, you know, when... So, strangers. When no, strangers, when no conversation is necessary. It's yeah. like, we don't know each other, we can just be cool. Right. We have 30 seconds on this elevator. Right. Um, if something happens, if there's a glitch, if sure. there's something, you can make mild observational yes. comments if, if friendly. there's any sort of shared experience that's very different than if we're just starting in clean. It's a, it's a nice sterile elevator and you're just like, so how about the weather today? It's like, yeah. Nope. I don't no, no thank you. Yeah. Um, so far, everything we've talked about has been a sort of um, auditory etiquette. Right. Can we talk about standing? Yeah. What, what's your What's your strategy for walking into an elevator? Um, well, I first uh, like to walk in without letting the people off. You stand uh, like right in front. N- yeah, and stand uh, when the doors open. I stand right in front, <laughs> just, and if people are trying to get off, well, they can wait just, until I get on the elevator. Just go straight, and in. then they can get off. Yeah, right. Um, uh, no, and then I, I try to go to uh, you know, I might let other people off first, and then I try to go to the back. But it it's also has changed. Uh, my my strategy has changed since uh, being in a building. It used to be in a, in a building where you called an elevator, and every, in any whatever elevator first came, you took and then you had to go and press the button. Now you press the button of the floor you're going to ahead of time. You get assigned to an elevator. Right. So, that so all you need to do is my standing. It used to be that inside the elevator car you had two jobs. You yeah. Had you get had, in. Get and in. Then you had to and, press your button. Yeah. And or, now that I don't need to door. be to the button, I don't right. have to press any buttons once I'm in the elevator. Right. So, so which leads to, to why I am perplexed. Why people fill the space. In other words, you, you, instead of going, like I, I walk in, I tend to, you know, you stand toward the back or you stand toward the sides. So then if other people come, you can easily sort of squeeze toward the back or sides to make more space, right? It's this idea of like, if you're alone or with one other person in the elevator, I don't expect you to cram into the corner, but I do expect you to be in a position where you could move toward the corner if it's necessary. But instead, we have people who it's the uh, the standing version of a caltrop, you know, like those those things that that uh, I'm sorry, the standing version of a what caltrop? It's a uh, it's it's a it's the, it's one of those things, you know, where uh, no, it's a Can you use it in a sentence. Well, it, besides it, it's that shaped, sentence, it's shaped like country uh, origin? Brian doesn't know what a caltrop is. is uh, how do you spell it? C a l t r o p. T r o p caltrop. Caltrop. It is it is a pyramidal spike that, uh, for example, the police might leave on the ground to pop the tires of somebody driving over it, like a um, multi-directional spike. Okay. Right. What I'm saying is, some people some people arrange themselves in the elevator 
as if to flummox any efficient packing of other humans, right? Mm. They sort of like stand at a right angle, like taking up space others could use, but not moving into that space themselves. Yeah. So it's it's not man spreading, which is it might subway, as well be, but it's it's a version of that. It's elevator spreading. It's elevator spreading, and it's and and why can't have you noticed the 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 people who tend to do this? Do they tend to do, is, have you noticed any uh, common uh, f- uh, sense of who the, the profile of these people? The are? The demographics are, of is, uh, it, is it more men than women? Is it more I young than old? Is it more? It's more likely to be the clueless, and so it wouldn't surprise like like the stereotype. Which why don't why don't we just lean right into it? Is like the. Uh, white male who's too wrapped up in whatever he's talking about with his with his work colleague to notice that there's a you know a, a giant 12 inch gap behind him that he needs to be filling because all the people in front of him are squeezed into the remaining space of the elevator while he's got uh, a lot of legroom behind him that he could be occupying. Yeah. So it's cluelessness. Cluelessness. It's, it's, yeah. It's, I it's think, neglect, not malice. Right. And I think, uh, but I do think this lack of social awareness and spatial awareness in social settings yeah. is endemic to our society. In what ways? Well, New York City sidewalks. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. Now, is that just a function of the density? Like, it's just too many people? It's too many people. It's the, the where we uh, work uh, yeah. is a high traffic area of yeah. both commuters and tourists. Oh, boy. So that's a double whammy. How'd, have you ever walked out of the building and noticed and, and thought to yourself, I'm in that person's uh, vacation photos? As they're taking, oh. it, as they're taking like a, I sometimes think that a photo of of the building we work. Yeah, in. I sometimes think that when I, when when people are taking vacation photos. Yeah, yeah I, I sometimes think that. Uh, other times, uh, sometimes when I walk out of the building at, uh, let's call it rush hour, um, I think of you know when those scenes uh, for B roll for uh, for evening newscasts when they talk about like a new study comes out about like the percentage of Americans that are overweight. Yeah, or and they like frame that. it from like the chin and to so the they, knees. Yeah, or but or they just want to show or they're showing b-roll of anything that's showing a statistic about americans okay right? and they just show a, a, a super busy sidewalk yeah you know out of yeah. focus somewhat you know right and, and, uh, yeah shallow and focus and it's just a full sidewalk yeah shallow focus you said yeah oh that's okay what no that's i, I that's, that's the term that's the, uh, that is the term right you can have a deep yeah you know, when they talk about depth of field uh-huh. they're talking about deep versus shallow of how much of the frame is in focus oh that's what that refers to Okay, quick quick tangent on this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I started watching the uh, Mueller hearings the other day okay. uh, from home. Right. Uh, I watched it the first twenty minutes before I left, and uh, and it was very interesting. The thing I noticed right away was the camera operator for the pool camera in the house building. Um, had zoomed in at one point all the way into Mueller's like when he sat down he zoomed it all the way to his yeah, face to get and then, focus and then pulled back and um and and then I think they quickly cut because they're like oh that's not a good shot right well that's a setup shot it's that's, a setup yeah. shot right but but then the the then for the rest of that shot and then I think we even saw clips later when I watched when I saw it later or saw little clips later from later in that same hearing he was still mildly out of focus. And the the gentleman behind him and the first row behind him were super focused. Oh right, so they had the focus. It wasn't unfocused, right? But it was just you if, you're looking, if you're watching it in HD, you know, it was it was like ooh, that's he's just a little just bit off. And, a little I, bit and off. I was thinking like, oh, this is in history. This is like a and I and I, I've I've got to think that in the uh, in the control rooms of all the broadcast networks and all the cable networks and everybody who's broadcasting this, I'm sure everybody. They're going crazy. Like I, I, yeah. I, I, as a casual news consumer, noticed this, uh, and 
And I, I bet that camera operator in the room who, it might even be not a person, it might be, I mean, it might be remote controlled, I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, that was probably frustrated that they didn't quite get it. They didn't, yeah, because that's what they're trying to. You know, that's a. You can't. That's and the, after you do, after that, that frame, that first shot, you right. can't do it. You right. can't. You know. It's so a, what he was trying to do is, you know, that's the standard way you you focus. You zoom in as much as you can, focus, and then you zoom back out to whatever. Um, and it might have been like he knew his focus wasn't right. He was going to do this. He tried to sneak it in. The technical director was like on his earpiece or whatever. Was like, "What are you doing? You're on. You know, you're on. You're on. You're on live. Yeah. You're, you're live." And he's like, I'm, "Okay, I'm just trying to fix it." And he did the best he could. And then he's just like, "I'm just a hair off. I'm yeah. a couple inches off." Right. Uh, and there's nothing you can do about that. But so that's so deep focus and shallow focus. Well, deep. Is, okay. So deep is how much of this so okay so deep focus would mean everything from like a couple inches in front of you to several feet from the camera is all in focus all of that's crisp and sharp right and that's the kind of thing you would get if you had a very small aperture a shallow depth of field is something you would associate with um like fashion photography where you have like the subject is nice and crisp but the background is all 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 blurry in kind of a cool way portrait mode like portrait mode portrait Portrait mode mode is emulating uh something that they call bokeh and bokeh refers to that that place um, in florida that place in florida where b-o-k-e-h in this example uh where the stuff in the background has blurs, but then you get like, um, imagine it's a, a city scene and all the city lights in the background just look like, look like circles, yeah, like yeah. kind of blurry circles, and it's got this kind of neat uh, optical effect. So that's called bokeh. And the, uh, the portrait mode in iOS is trying to emulate that. And the reason it's doing that is because the camera, the lenses on the camera, and the use of the aperture and the ISO and the shutter speed and all the other the factors that you can uh, um, modify in photography, by default, in an iPhone, gives you a very deep depth of field. Why do they do that? Because most people shooting photos just want stuff to be sharp and in focus, right? They're not fashion photographers. So if you're taking a photo of somebody, you don't want to have a very shallow depth of field, you know, a couple inches, for example, forward or back, where if I miss it, my subject is out of focus. Most people are just like, just make everything in focus. I don't want to think about it. So that's how they built the phone. But for fashion reasons, it would be nice if you could um, make it so that people can do things other than that on their iPhone. And so that's why they invented portrait mode hmm. is because that's how they're emulating it. Um, and so that would be called a shallow depth of field where you have a very narrow, um, so it, you know, it'd be one foot in front of the camera to one foot three inches in front of the camera. And that's the only space. It's, a, it's, it's on the Z axis in front of the camera. That's the only space yeah, I mean, I knew that, yeah. that's, in, that's in focus, right? You can you can um, increase that more and more, and so you you can find shots either in cinematography or or traditional photography where you zoom in on someone's face and maybe their eye is in focus, but the front of their nose is out of focus. Oh yeah, right. Or and then their ear is out of focus. So really, the the, the amount of, of focus there is like you know an inch deep or half an inch deep. Like you can just adjust the parameters of your photography to make it. Um, whatever characteristics you want. And this is one of the things that a photographer or a cinematographer does like with a director, let's say, is um, Citizen Kane famously had very deep focus. Uh, fam- like um, the, the cinematographer on, Cit- on Citizen Kane invented a lot of the techniques that enabled deep focus. And so so you would have scenes where you have foreground and mid and, and, and background characters and everything's in focus. Mm. And it just creates a particular vibe um, for that movie. 
So that's all the uh, for the B-roll footage. Of those are those are just a few of the things you need to know if you're going to shoot B-roll footage, right? Sure, got it, got it. Okay, so the uh, shallow depth of field. If you're going to take a photo of or a video of uh, Americans on the sidewalk, that's right. Where you're seeing tons and tons of Americans. You're going to see tons of them. You're going to get a couple in the middle are going to be in focus. The ones in the front and the ones in the back are going to be out of focus. It's going to look great. It's yeah. going to fit in perfectly right before you cut to Mike Wallace. Yeah, but that's all to say that that sometimes I step out of our building and yes. I feel like I'm in the midst of that uh, one of those shoots and it's, yeah. it's, it's it's maddening. That's right. Um, but on an elevator, yeah. Do you always let women off first, or are there are there conditions where that's awkward and it and you just you just get off the elevator? Uh, if if I am in the way, yeah. I will get off first. Right. Right. You know, um, if I can let others off women or uh, otherwise uh, I, I will but if I'm in the way I have no problem getting off for you know um, so are there I, any other elevator etiquette rules that you feel like well when do you hold the elevator door and when do you not so there have been times uh, where like and I'm thinking about in my building my apartment building um, when I have my dog who inter, you know sometimes interacts well with other dogs sometimes doesn't right and I'll like quickly close the door if I see yeah. another dog coming or, or things like that or the other times I'll, I'll sometimes maybe do it and maybe I'm not super ashamed if somebody seems like they're fur, far away and they're taking their time to get there and right. might be in a hurry oh yeah then I, it's like okay but on both sides of that equation I I I don't really expect people to hold the door unless I say hold it like I'm like I'm clearly hurrying and I say yeah. can can you hold that I I'd kind of like to see a best effort right um, right to, but to do and, that. Uh, and this is the same thing with elevator holding doors with uh, holding doors in general just holding open oh, the yeah. door okay like how long do you if someone's like how far back are they I think you get like a two Mississippi yeah and it's yeah. like I. I I, I want to be I don't want to be rude I don't right. want to close and I'll definitely slightly hold, but I'm not going to wait here all day right. I'm, I'm generally in a hurry if you like, are I, and and I'm so sorry I'm just generally in a hurry I'm not rude I will hold up my you're door you're just a very important person no I'm not a very important person but you're a kind of somewhat important I'm, no I'm, I'm just a person that's that's running late often how about that <laughs> oh, I think we all are and 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 if you are several step you know several paces back we can't and, no one and, ain't no one got time for that I mean come on that's on you that's ridiculous yeah. Um, so what about, yeah, the people that do the, the fake effort to hold the door though, you know, that they're like, Oh, and they, they don't really hold just it. own it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's worse. It's just, just be the person who did or didn't hold the door and just live according to your own values and be okay with that. Okay. Next topic. Infomercials. Infomercials. Mm -hmm. Call now. Uh, operator standing by. Yeah. Uh, if what is it? What's the one? It's uh, if you uh, if the line is busy, keep calling back. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, so infomercials are short for information commercials. That's right. So it's not just a commercial. It's just trying to sell you something. An infomercial is trying to inform you. Well, I mean that's that's what the that's what the label on the tin says, but. Uh, it's a 30-minute commercial. It's a 30-minute commercial. And what I find interesting, it, it's my understanding that there was some, you know, uh, change to the television regulations that, in, that that allowed this to to become a thing in, in, I think, the 70s or the 80s, probably under Reagan. I'm just guessing. Who knows? Um, and it was like, previously, 
advertisers were precluded from doing purely commercial um, advertising, and then due to some rule change, suddenly they could. So they're like, hey, why not? Why not have spend 30 minutes on a commercial? So then you're faced with this, you know, you have you have sort of a you have a container with nothing to put in it. Mm. So it's like, what does a 30 minute commercial look like? And, and so will some, people watch? And will right? How do you get somebody to watch? 30 minutes of a commercial because it's not a story with a narrative, right? Every, I, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing there was a similar trajectory the first time uh, reality TV was being, in, was kind of being invented, right? And so you had the early reality TV shows like um, Real World or Survivor, and they start to figure out the conventions now, many of which now we know, and you can just kind of take those off the shelf and be like, oh, put, you know, you put the uh, people in the house plus contest plus, you know, voted off the island plus whatever, you know, you kind of mix and match your parts. But infomercials have a similar kind of ingredients that you can mm-hmm. put together. But somebody had to, to them. They're, the, they're the, right. Yeah. They're, they're they're parts. Ron Popeil. Ron Popeil was a was a was you know a, a pioneer here, and to the point where by the time like uh, Friends uh, had a, had a bit about Joey participating in an infomercial because he's a, he's an actor right, yeah. and so he he was one of the characters who you know didn't know how to open the milk or whatever, and so the idea of like we're going to create this this sort of hyperbolic world. Somebody has a problem. Our 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 product solves that problem. Everyone's really excited about it, and uh, we're going to talk for thirty minutes about this product to get you to buy it. Right. It, but I think the 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 heightened world where you have somebody comically like unable to like eat their chips without spilling them right. everywhere. Or, you know, has this ever happened to you? Yeah. I feel like that's one variation of an infomercial. And I think that there is a separate variation of an infomercial that is in front of a live studio audience that they don't necessarily, you know, they go through yeah. like how to use that product very in depth and they interview so they, people from and, the right, audience. And they show and, off and they show it off. And when it works, everyone's uh, very excited. Very excited. Right. Like, I don't think like the Ron Popeil uh, show, uh, Showtime rotisserie oven. Just set it, it and forget and and forget it. And you have the whole crowd chant and, and, forget, and forget it. So actually, a quick tangent on that. Uh, in uh, college, um, uh, I uh, had a TV show. I actually had a couple TV shows. Really? Uh, and uh, it like the TV, the campus closed. Capture yeah. or closed circuit uh, campus TV station uh, was started by some people, uh, some friends of mine, people are older than me, and they started it. And I helped out in the beginning, and uh, and and so I we were looking for content, and we we're just trying to do right. things. You know, you were an early, you were a content creator. I was an early content creator. I ended up helping work, you know, run the station too uh, for a time. Um, anyway, but I started a show called the. Um, it was GUTV was the name of the, uh, the station, and called it the GUTV Live Holiday Spectacular. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was a variety show, uh, and it was took place during the holidays. Yeah. And it was live, but then it would be replayed, you know, a hundred times over the next couple of months because we had <laughs> so, nothing else going on. Right. right? You know. So just, in April, you're still watching yeah, sure, the live holiday sure. spectacular. And I had. Um, I would wear a, a tuxedo and try to wow. make it like an old-timey variety hour. I you still, have like, do you have this tape? I don't have the tape. I might. Does anybody there, have the tape? I mean, there might be somewhere in the archives. I'm not sure if we kept the archives that well. There might be a tape so, still somewhere at my parents' did, house. Did they have I to might, reuse the tape? Yeah, I mean, this was on. It was VHS tape. I mean, it was right. And I don't. It might we. It might be somewhere in my parents' house. I haven't. I haven't seen it in many many years. Uh, but I would have like a. a we would do games like win, lose, or draw with between the teams would be different uh, 
acapella groups. Oh, uh, and then this, the this is a very college thing to do. And then I'd have uh, Jack the Bulldog, who was our our school mascot. Okay, came out and I would interview him. And the first year, he like attacked me and, oh. ate, and ate the microphone, and it was like video <laughs> gold. We called it. Um, and then so I did it three years. I think the subsequent years, I kind of goaded him into attacking me. You know what I mean? Just because it Put worked so well on the microphone. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked so well the first time. Um, and then. Uh, all the years are blurring together, so I kind of forget all the different uh, 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 bits we did. But one of them was uh, holiday cooking tips. Hmm. Um, and we did how to make um, cookies on the George Foreman grill. Oh. Um, and then how to make, I forget. You mean the, the Lean and, Mean Grilling Machine? Yeah, and I think it was my friend, I think it was my roommate, John, that did the cooking tips on the George Foreman grill. And then it was my... Uh, my friend Steve, I think, did some kind of cooking tips with the Ron Popeil Showtime rotisserie oven, mm-hmm. and uh, and I would say, and there was somewhat of a live studio audience, uh, and I would we would repeat the phrase, you just said it, and then have them it was call and response, and they would say and forget it and forget it. Here's the thing: I have uh, this awareness of infomercials because of my childhood and my I, TV watching. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if infomercials are still a thing. I assume they still are. I think they are. But it's probably a declining market. Well, I I remember seeing one when I was... I remember seeing them when I was a kid or a teenager and just being totally fascinated with them because because it was so kind of weird. And then I remember seeing one as... Let's say it was in college or something like that. And it was was more modernized. It wasn't quite so over the top. Like, was this the OxyClean guy? Um, No, it it wasn't the OxyClean guy because that's Billy Mays. you know, uh, who was famous for his his over the top? He, he's 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 in the genetic strain of over the top pitch man, right? Mm. Didn't something happen to him? Didn't he have like a drug overdose or? I was I, it no? That, he no, died. He died. I don't know. I don't know how. No, maybe I think there's somebody besides Billy Mays. There's some other pitch person that I can't. Okay. That, well, anyway, B- Billy Mays died. The internet was sad. Yeah. Um, but he was the over-the-top pitch man. The one I'm talking about now wasn't that. It was in the style of... Um, I'm putting the, putting this in gigantic air quotes, realistic uh, scene hmm. um, with a... And I think it was for... I don't remember if it was a Nutribullet, but let's say it was Nutribullet. So it's this little blender thingy. And so it's all about, hey, look, you can blend food and how convenient is that, right? So it's all these different scenarios of things you can blend. And so it was kind of like a sort of a imagine a, a kitchen counter in a the ultimate open floor plan um, house slash McMansion slash video studio or, you know TV studio, and so you get this kind of angled countertop that wraps around with bar stools where people are kind of sitting casually together, and it's a group of half a dozen you know actors, and then there's the host who's who's kind of like sitting on the on the other side of the counter, right? And they've got all this like fresh food all. Um, uh, staged on the top of the counter, and then they're going to kind of go sort of di- from station to station talking about, well, you could do this with the product, and you can do this with the product. And and each time, the the actors had like, I couldn't tell whether they had lines or it was like they had things to say and it was kind of quasi-improv, because mm-hmm. it was actually pretty good. The thing was, it's like they actually hired people who were convincing actors, and they weren't asking them to you know, be over the top. 
but they were, but you're still in this sci-fi world where everyone's really interested in talking about this little blender, and that's all they're going to talk about for a, for minutes on end. But you're going to do so in a realistic manner. It was almost more uncanny because it was superficially much more realistic. But all they're talking about is the blender, and it just keeps going. And I I remember just watching it like shocked at their acting ability. It was like hmm. it was like a genuine performance. They really committed to. They it. They really committed to like. It's like, wait, are you saying that cuts in two speeds? And it, it's it's stuff we, like it uh, was it was it did it did you get a sense was it like a single take? You know what I mean? Like, or was it? Oh right, did, did they do did, did they, they do, do multiple cuts the, to get the different angles and it, different it lines? It felt like a multi camera. Like it felt like they just kept rolling. Yeah, and maybe that maybe there was a producer director who would be like, hey, do that again or something like that. Right, but it, it felt like an improv scene. It felt like they you know like they had to hit their beats, but. It's like okay, you're the one who do, who can't believe it's actually going to work, and you're the one who thinks it will work, and you're the one who's extra excited when it does, and you're the one who's like, "See, I told you." And, <laughs> and and they like they had these different roles, and, the, and you're creating these little micro dramas. But again, the thing that 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 got me was how understated the acting was when the content remains ridiculous. Right, but so the category of products that are best sold via infomercial, okay, versus other mechanisms. Are you saying like what is the characteristic? What is the that, characteristic? Like uh-huh. why? So why are infomercials? Let's, why let's have they been? Let's just list a few things that are just come to mind. So there's things like the Nutribullet. Uh, there's like a Dyson products. I feel like lend themselves to infomercial type stuff or you know the, home the appliances. Di- the Dyson vacuums. Yeah, the, the vacuum or the or the no, whatever the vacuums or the uh, the fans or the. Um, because I guess these are these are not. So all the, the Nutribullet is now like an established brand. I sure. feel Dyson is too, but I'm trying to think of like these products that we're naming a bunch of home appliances. They're home appliances. They're things for your home or you're, you're you know, going to cook you're, yeah. or you're going to clean. They're, you're, but the, but is there a price range? Like, what's the most expensive thing? Because I'm thinking like well, also like exercise programs. I think like P90. A lot of, yeah, a lot right? of exercise programs. Uh, or the Bowflex. The Bowflex, exactly. So it's like so the Bowflex uh, or the Nordic Track. You're gonna you're gonna show people working out. That's easy to do because you get a bunch of B-roll of people working out, and then you have an announcer who basically just says, you know, uh, don't you want to have a... Well, that's know, a different from an... Inf- I mean, it's maybe... No, but it could th- be 30 minutes of that. And then really? You cut, oh, oh, yes, yeah. I guess. And, and then, then you, you cut, cut to testimonials or... You cut... Right. So you're going to cut between But there's no B-roll? live studio audience. No, you, but there could be. I've seen ones where it's a mix. You have a live studio audience, but you just don't... You don't have to extend that for 30 minutes. You have these little, like, two-minute segments of somebody in the studio with a live audience and, like, we're going to show you just how easy this Bowflex is. Who wants to come on down? And they have somebody from the audience come on down, and they're like, look how great it is, and everyone cheers. And then they cut to the B-roll of the super toned tanned guy next to the super toned and tanned woman with the announcer talking about it. And then, you know, you just sort of cycle between these things. Right. But so things... Yeah, so it might be things of a certain ticket price that that you know often are sold on installment plans. Okay, right? You know, maybe that's one characteristic. But I'm just trying to think, why did Bowflex? Let's just take maybe, the Bowflex. Maybe it's the market. Maybe it's the, the audience. Yeah, like that because yeah. But why is that their their channel to reach their key right market that they're trying okay. to reach is let's, an infomercial as opposed to I mean today it would be Instagram ads right or, or well let's look at what the uh, I was about to suggest what we look at what is the alternative and let's go back to to the like sort of pre-internet era that we're talking about like the the the, the less 90s because that's when we first noticed these um, I know some in the 80s <laughs> and so What's the alternative? If you don't have an infomercial, what do you have? You can have regular, you know, thirty-minute or sorry, thirty-second uh, TV ads. You can also have uh, print ads. You can have radio ads. 
It's kind of it, right? Well, those, you have those are your options. In-store advertising. And you have in-store advertising. Okay. Um, the you have direct mail. The, the interesting thing about uh, infomercial is... You have door-to-door sales. You have so much more... Multi-level marketing. Time. So I'm wondering if it's the sort of thing where um, it repetition... Takes, right. And maybe that's it. Because like it takes... Why does it take 30 minutes? Why does it make 30... Why does it take 30 minutes to make the clothes? So like when, right. when, when other things... When you're... Uh, you know, Fruit Loops, Kellogg's Fruit Loops are being sold in 30 seconds. That's right. Right. Why isn't there a Kellogg's Fruit Loops infomercial? Right. And because you could, you, I mean, why not? Right. Um, like, well, maybe because it's, it's, so maybe it's infomercials are there because they are informational in the sense that these are a different kind of product category or right. a different kind of product than you're used to. Okay. So if it's the so Ron Popeil Showtime yeah. Rotisserie Oven, you know what an oven is and you know what a toaster is. Everybody's kind of familiar with those kinds of right. but you uh, household appliances. But you don't know what this thing is. And so if you just saw it in your, you might think you it's know, a toaster, in your JCPenney's uh-huh. you know, appliance section. Or if you saw it in a 30-second spot. If they said, you have 30 seconds to say Showtime Rotisserie Chicken, you can cook anything. Call now. People are going to walk away going like, wait, what is it? You right. need 30 minutes to set up and explain what, well, what's going on. And also a piece on. of that, too, is that these are direct-to-consumer sales. So maybe their ah. strategy is direct-to-consumer. You have to call now. They're not, not available in stores. Right. You know. so, so, okay, so it's two things. One is this direct-to-consumer, and although so maybe it, it wouldn't maybe necessarily be that, but yeah. And so maybe it's, well, no, think about it. Like, I, I, think, I think a lot of them are direct-to-consumer in that, and then, then of course, it went as seen on TV, and that became yeah, a whole fine. category. But I think it's, I'm just thinking from the business case for this. If I have a if I have a product I want to get to market, I can either go through retail channels mm-hmm. and I can be distribute my product to name your you know retail company and let them work on the advertising and getting people into you know into the doors right. and positioning on the shelves and having you know the weekly coupon ads or right. what have you to get people in um, and then they take a certain cut so like I lose forty percent you know yeah, off, I lose, at, I lose at, whatever I whatever to the retailer cut is. right mm-hmm. um, or I take that forty percent and I use that to do direct to consumer sales including you know the uh, uh, the 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 infomercial, so I spend right. So that margin you would hundred grand on an infomercial the, right. and selling them, and then and then I have it in the can, and now I can just you know buy out ads and uh, buy out airtime to to run. Right. Those. So you're suggesting the direct to consumer, um, the cost structure of it works, overall right. might might work because you're going to spend a little bit more in theory on this on this infomercial. But let's go back to the the first thing that you had talked about, where it's a new product and you have to explain it. Yeah. I think there's something about that because, yes, you could do 30 minutes of an infomercial about Kellogg's Fruit Loops, but everyone already knows what cereal is. Yeah, they've already they've already laid that groundwork. Right, um, and so and they know what stovetop t- stuffing is. Right, or they know and I think that's why we associate it with novelty products because but oxy, they're literally OxyClean. Yeah, you know, is it's just a cleaner. Well, it is, but it's a it's a magic it's cleaner. It's a magic cleaner, exactly. So it's the magic. So it's like prior to something like OxyClean, you have soap. We all know what soap is. This is this is being pitched as something other than detergent, right? This is a magical thing that can get out stains magically. So, you want to associate as much magicness as possible. So that's a case where I think repetition is your fa- is in your favor because you can show you know this kind of stain, that kind of stain. Let's try this again. Let's look at this example. Let's let's repetition works on people, right? Repetition is your friend, and so that's why something that you can demonstrate. I'm trying to think if like you can sell a product that's that's not demonstrable. Via infomercial, 
So like an annuity or something. I don't know. Just some product oh, that you would no, buy I've where seen, it's like... I've seen commercials for like uh, reverse mortgages. Okay. So then you're just going to show a bunch of happy old people who are so glad they did their reverse mortgage. Or they have that guy that used to host the Love Connection and other uh, other talk game shows. The guy who... Uh, Rick something. He hosted Mark a bunch Summers. Of, no, not Mark Summers. Alex Trebek. Not Alex Trebek. A guy Pat in the Sajak. 80s, Rick something or... Springfield. No, come on. Uh, 70s and 80s, and he hosted the $100,000 Pyramid, um, the a couple other Ringo. things. Ringo. No, come on now. I, I can't think of it. I can't okay. think of his name. But I've seen him pitch like life insurance annuities uh-huh. or you know things that you know for, for old people. Um, Andy Griffith. Come on now. So I think we're getting to something here. So the infomercials are if it makes sense economically to go direct to consumers, right. it's more... Uh, if you're going to go to retailers, you're unlikely to do the infomercial. Right. That's our hypothesis. That's our hypothesis. Yeah, okay. I think. Uh, and then the the, the so it it makes. I mean, obviously, since they exist, they must work. Right. Like I mean, I'm kind of positing the fact that it seemingly they are successful. Right. right. These um, these companies have. Uh, yeah, they're, they're around. I mean, I'm sure there are ones that don't work, but there are plenty that do. Yeah, and um, and there are certain pitch people who become associated so much with the That's product right. that, that they become... They become highly paid pitch people. Highly paid They're pitch fa- people. And actually, there I read, I think I read an article about one of the pitch people who, he's not associated with any one product. Like, he kind of made his name with one of the products, but I think he's some British guy with short hair. Anyway, he's like known as just the pitch man. And it's like, he's good at this job. He's good at like, you know, speaking credibly about the wonders of whatever the product is. And so you can hire him to do any pitch, yeah. right? Um, I remember seeing uh, one for Little Giant Ladders, and it was Richard Karn from Home Improvement. Oh. So this is an actor associated with a role, associated with, you know, the home whatever. But he's just a guy. He was a side. He was, a side, he was an actor playing a sidekick playing a side on kick. a show within a show. On a show within a show, <laughs> right. So he's, late, he's then going to pitch, you know, ladders for around the house. And so he has the beard, and he wears the shirt, and it's like, yeah, he, that guy seems to know what he's talking about. So when he shows you how great these ladders are, it's like, yeah, I guess I will pay $200 for a ladder. And so... so it's it's evolved into this format where it's like like all advertising is basically like can you perform the job of advertising right like it's it's self-selecting it's like and I guess it's also I wonder what's happened at infomercials in the era not just of the internet and social media and how advertising has changed uh, with digital uh, technology but of home shopping so the home shopping network and QVC, QVC is it so in the same they, way that like, like, they're like, not like 24/7 well, okay, infomercials I feel like as seen on TV is to infomercials as infomercials is to QVC oh interesting so there's like a it's it's like the next level right um, so, but, so but QVC let's, has its own thing going because it's not exactly it's, it's, different. it's different from infomercials. It's, different. it's a whole they, channel. Yeah, it's a whole channel. First of all, but also they have like uh, like false sense of scarcity. You know, like these supplies right. while supplies last, and there's a countdown, uh-huh. and, and the price changes. Uh, I can't okay. imagine. I can't imagine. I, I mean, it's so funny that this this idea of infomercials has been trapped in my. Uh, recesses of my consciousness and awareness. I haven't thought about them in a long time. Yeah. I haven't seen one in many, many, many years. Uh, but <laughs> well, that's the other thing. They will, now, they now will be with me for the rest of my life. So this, in, in this the, awareness in, in and the, knowledge. That's of right. In the age of cord cutting, are infomercials um, on the decline, on a terminal decline, or is it that they found this niche and they'll still exist? No. Well, I think it's. I th- there, there, there will still be. For it's just like there's some people who are uh, with an AOL account that are paying AOL right now. 
Yeah, but is there enough to sustain? No, for for time. They're still going to be. They're still going to milk that revenue as long as they can, right? Okay. Um, but I, I think the new infomercials are podcast testimonials. I think the new infomercials are. But thirty minutes of that. Uh, yeah, no, but you get two minutes sometimes. No, but, but I'm saying two minutes. That, that's the equivalent of an ad break. Which, yeah. which agreed. I, but I'm saying okay. So let's talk through this. No, no, what would a, what would a podcast infomercial look like in the same way that a prior to existing infomercials? If you said, hey, people have other channels they could watch, but there's going to be a 30-minute commercial, and it's going to make it's going to make its money, right? It's going to be interesting enough that people are going to listen to it, or sorry, are going to watch it for 30 minutes, and then we're going to make enough sales to pay for however much we paid for that 30 minutes of ad slip space. Well, th- no, there have been sponsored content podcasts where brands yeah. pay a well-known podcast studio or company or media organization to produce. So it's like, oh, this special series is produced. But is the whole content about how great Casper mattresses are? Yeah, I I mean, no, but yes. Okay, my point is, I'm trying to imagine a podcast infomercial in the of of a similar format to that would be recognizable as such. Meaning, it is it it is not sponsored content in a way. Not sponsored content. This is going to be. Let's uh, talk about a sleep study we did. It's like no, no, no. We're going. This is to sell the thing, the product. The thing about an infomercial that is that it's so brazen. It is not trying to disguise the fact that it is selling this thing. It is talking about how great it is in hyperbolic terms. Right. You should. Everybody should be in on the joke. Everyone's in on it. Right there. They're not trying. They're not trying to hide anything, right? Every yes, uh, they're trying to make the audience. You know, the everyone is pretending that this thing is that this product is amazing. And they can't wait to get it, and everyone's cheering and so on. But those motivations of talking about how great this product is are are on the surface. But and those demonstrations though can be really captivating. That's right. And, and they found a way to make it captivating. So what's the podcast version of that? I don't know. But what's let's the find podcast out. version? Let's find out. Let's find out. <laughs> 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 so let's come up with a product. It's a pro- so so okay. So what, were, what was our hypothesis about the kind kind of product that is best sold in infomercial? It's something that is direct to consumer that, and that needs to be demonstrated. It needs to be explained. Can, can be oh, it needs to be explained and can be demonstrated. Yeah. Okay. So we need something that needs to be explained, but can't be explained, but could be demonstrated. In podcast, so part of the reason TV is good for this is because it's bright and shiny, and you can have it. Would the, have to, so it'd have to be something, a product that is uh, auditory in some way. So okay. I could see a uh, a foreign language uh, learning app of some sort uh, that there could be. Oh, that's good. Okay, and you Duolingo, a Duolingo or, or Rosetta Stone, Rosetta Stone type thing for the a thirty minute podcast infomercial. And what you, you do, you do that like a radio lab where like you you have B roll of them in a foreign country. Um, yeah, and, and and you talk. You go through, you chronicle someone's, uh, you know, yeah. someone's a transformation and learning about it. And so part of the reason it. an infomercial works is that it's in the form of a like a talk show, basically. Like you've got a host, you have a studio audience, you have guests, more or less, or you know, you have like there, there's going to be a conversation about something that is captivating. It's just that it's all about this one topic, which is the product, but it's in a form that that is kind of like the form of uh, that other people watch for entertainment. So maybe that's our maybe that's our model here. We think about what is a so I just said it's like a radio lab uh, podcast, but you know, what is a Mark Marin interview that's an infomercial, right? You're talking to the inventor of something. Right. We're gonna, you know, we're going to talk to the inventor of P90X for 30 minutes about not a true, a genuine conversation, but really about how great P90X is, and it's just you know, so. Wait, so I, this is this. I just, I've been, I've been listening to you intently. Don't worry, but I've also been thinking about this question and this issue. Yeah, and I realize it's politics. 
it's a it's a political candidate is an infomercial. When, They're selling themselves. When, when Positive America interviews a Democratic candidate for the nominee. That's what it is. It's an infor- it's a 30 minute infomercial. It's an infomercial where because, they're selling the ideas. Because they're both on the same side. Yeah. That's exactly what the, it is. These are a friendly, it's a friendly uh, interview. It's alley oops. Yeah. They're, they're just tossing and up and balls. They're, they're good. You know, they're, yeah. they're smart. They're smart. But again, but part of part of that is is the credibility. You're establishing credibility in the same way that when somebody says now, now prove to me that this vacuum really works. Right. It's like, is that a real challenge? No, it's just an opportunity to create a credible argument for how great the vacuum is. In the same way that a question, a seemingly tough question from a friendly audience, is giving the politician a chance to prove whatever they're talking about. But I think this is, I think this is the best example f- so far. It's not an uh, infomercial in that it's not selling a product, but the form and the function is exactly the same. It's just that you're selling a person, a candidate. Or you're selling a person and a candidate and an idea, and, right? Yeah, or yeah, the policies, I guess. Um, that's the best example. So imagine a version of that where. Well, also let's just let's be real too. Like most, uh, most talk shows that have celebrity guests, uh, you, right, are, are infomercials. They're uh, in, they're, yeah. they're selling uh, the, what project they have coming up. It's their is it their book? Is it okay. their movie? Right, is but let their... me let me draw a distinction though. That that is true. There's an infomercial nature to that. But the thing again that makes the infomercial what it is is how brazen and superficial it is. Right. It's not. That's true. And it, and and singular. Part of the way that The Tonight Show gets away with it is that um, there's a mix of guests. And so you're going to have, like, the, you know, the, 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 um, the actor, the actress, and then the, the stand-up comedian or musician, right? And it's a mix. And so, like, yeah, they're gonna, one's going to pitch, talk about their TV show. And right, one's but they're going to talk about their, their TV show and they're going to show a clip, but it's not the same thing. As it's not the same thing as 30 minutes about th- that clip. Yeah, yeah. It'd be as if you were talking to an actor or actress and all they were talking about is, is not themselves or their background or a bunch of other stuff, but how great this new movie is. Yeah. That's the thing about the infomercial that I find perplexing is, like, you've created a, a sci-fi world where everyone cares about this product continuously for 30 minutes. Like it's just sustained attention on something that is so brazenly it's commercial. It's also very clear. Like when you're when you watch a celebrity being interviewed or a politician being interviewed, right? You don't realize it's they're, an inf- right. It's because hiding not, the ball, but it's not. Yes. An inf- they're not paying for that, right? That's right. They're necessarily. And so we have to keep up this pretense and, and so, that it's but, a regular it, interview, but when an it's inter- not really. An infomercial is very, and they usually have disclaimers. Yep. You know. Um, oh, exactly. They have disclaimers, and it's and it's, you know, it's just that that's what it is. And so it'd be something as if like you had the. As if you had a, a, a an interviewer who said, "We're going to have you know the host of P90X come on and talk about how great this thing is," and they just talked about how great this thing is. Now, wait, you need one more element because I have heard things where it's like some topic we care about, and we're and we're just going to talk about how great this new product is. Like um, I'm thinking of like a I don't know a Tim Ferriss interview with somebody who's who's um, you, you got need a testimonials. Book out, you need right? testimonials right, of need people testimonials, who've used it, and- but. The, the element that we're missing from all these podcast examples that are kind of close, in, including, by the way, the politician example, is the call to action and the and the 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 direct appeal to buy now. Mm. In the infomercial, they're trying to get you to pick up the phone and call and place an order. They're trying to get that order placed. Right. That's the purpose. Right. Of in this, podcasts, get, when they when they do you know when they do an ad, there's right. always a there's always an action.com slash. You know, next topic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. By the way, we don't. We are not. <laughs> we, 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 we will one hundred percent 
take take ad revenue. Just call call now. Yeah, go to Casper. If you can go to Casper.com and in the, in the uh, checkout in the promo code enter next topic <laughs> and it works, <laughs> let us know. Let us know. Send send us your response on the back of a twenty dollar bill. Yeah. Uh, to nexttopic.co. That's yeah. nexttopic. N e x t t o p i c dot c o. Send in uh, with three uh, UPCs. That's uh, uh, proof of concept. No, what ha- uh, proof of purchase. Proof of purchase and a self-addressed stamp envelope. Stamp, yes. Yeah. S a s e. So that's my point: is that the, the 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 infomercial is superficial and direct, and it is trying to get you to place an order. It is trying to motivate action, right? And the podcast version would have to be, let's say, an interview with the founder of P90X about how great it is with testimonials and other things. And periodically, the host is like, so, so go to P90X.com right now and place your order, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's periodically trying well, or, to, or to it, it. It, Even then, it would be uh, go to P90X.com slash. No, but I'm proposing that, that the difference would be not go to P90X.com slash next topic. No, it wouldn't be slash next topic, but it would be slash. Uh, get healthy or whatever uh, it is. Uh, right. It'd be a promo connected to that infomercial because that's how you're going to get. Because infomercials Fine. are also good about. They obviously put one price uh-huh. and then they they put a line through it. Right, and it's, it's like, another price. It's like the you know. And so, so if you just go to p90x.com, the price will be you know uh, uh, five hundred dollars. Right. But if you go to slash get healthy or right. whatever, it's, it would be quarter of three ninety nine or yeah. whatever. Right. Okay. What's the next topic? Photo shoots. Photo shoots. That's the topic. When I think of photo shoots, I, I could, I, I think of uh, actually just walked on the uh, walking to work this morning. Um, there was a woman having her picture taken by a guy with a professional looking camera, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't quite seem like a professional photo shoot. Right. You know what I mean? It it it, it, was, it was like a. It felt like she asked him to to take her photo, not that she was a hired model. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, th- this. There was no. There was no third party payer for these photos. It wasn't. It was. There was a no, transaction between these two people. Yeah. There was no brand right. who was. Uh, but I also don't think it was necessarily. They were friends, so somewhere in between. Okay. So it was. It was near. It's, it's a, actually. An, it's a friend of a friend who has a good camera, and it's a. It's a uh, aspiring model who wanted to get some something taken for her portfolio. And uh, that's what they were doing. Yeah. So I actually, as you, as you know, I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned this on this podcast before, but I, uh, I some mornings uh, when I have a, enough time and the weather is nice, I walk up the High Line right. to the office. And um, on the High Line, you have mentioned that more than once on the podcast. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Can we cut to the tape? <laughs> uh, so on the highlight, um, there it, it it's a very common place for people to have photo shoots. Oh really? Um, now, because oh, of course it is. Of course it is. It's a, it's a it's kind of a, it's a beautiful place, right? And um, but at uh, I actually just the other night walked home uh at you know six or seven p.m. and it's terrible because it's so crowded. At, oh, like, that's high tourist time. The the route is. Crowded. But, yeah. So with if people I, taking photos. So I like to I like walking um, the High Line in the morning because it's a beautiful walk. It's a beautiful uh, environment. It's a beautiful view, and it's it's actually expeditious because you don't you're not crossing the street. Right. You don't have to wait for the wait, lights. You don't have to wait for the lights. It's actually an expeditious like as way long to as travel. you're not crowded with tourists. Right. But on the way home, it's terrible. Uh. But in the morning, um, there will be some kind of quasi-professional photo shoot happening up meaning, on the High Line. I mean, 
I mean, and I would define someone's holding a reflecting board. A reflecting board. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. That's where there's a third party, uh, not uh, not taking the pictures. And right. Not, uh, You're saying is there is there a person per- involved other than the person holding the camera and the person who's being photographed? Yes. Yeah. And and, and that's what I said. And th- th- a lot of times this could still be engagement photos. Oh or, sure. Or headshots. Anyone can buy a re- reflecting board. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's twenty bucks on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. You have one, right? I have more than one. <laughs> but I was very curious as to the scene that I came upon this morning. Um, that. Because it was just that it didn't quite make sense. Uh, also, the, the backdrop was a little bit odd because it was it was at the steps of the High Line facing the new Neiman Marcus, which is part of the mall of the new Hudson Yards. Like there's and there's okay. a big sign and there's a kind of a plaza area with some tables and uh, chairs and there's like a sweet green there that people can maybe eat outside for. for. But then there's the entrance to the mall and has the big sign Neiman Marcus, and she was essentially taking her photo with the Neiman Marcus sign in the background, and maybe the the the, the building itself you probably could capture, uh, and there's it's beautiful it, architecture to some degree. Right? And it wasn't a it wasn't an ad. It wasn't. But it even, wasn't an ad. You sure? It just didn't give a, off the vibe of of it being an official. It was definitely shoot of some kind. It was definitely not a Neiman Marcus shoot. Okay, just tell you that. Fine. Okay, um, and it it definitely felt like a tour. The the way she was dressed read to me that. She's not a New Yorker. She's a okay. tourist, and she was getting this, having this guy with a big camera lens and a big, you know, with all the stuff. So it's not just a tourist. Like, so, so that was that, my next question: had, like, Is it just a guy a with camera, a big camera? Guy with a big camera and a bag, and they, they, it seemed like he was quasi-professional, right? Like, okay. Not that they were two. They didn't. The, not two people who knew each other well. Two people who were on a social visit right. and stopped to uh, while, like, albeit having a big camera, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It did. It didn't seem to me like because oftentimes you'll see. You know, two people walking on the High Line. Yeah. One with a big camera. Right. And they're stop like, and take a photo and it's of the two other. people who knew each other, and it's like, hey, why don't we go to the High Line and just sort of take some uh, uh, prosumer, casual, personal uh, photos yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And this is a different thing. This is a different thing. It the, sounds like this is a kind of a curious mix. It's a curious mix. And the other thing that, and I, and I, I, I spent about twenty seconds thinking about this, and I've, I've spent probably about two minutes now talking about it. Um, so that's 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 what our show's about, I uh-huh. guess, these days. That, um, is, that is the. Uh, there was also the thing that was odd that it took me some time, to, and I never fully came to a conclusion. There was a SUV, uh, black SUV, parked right next to uh, uh, where they were on the street, like double parked or like okay. waiting, so with a driver in the car, and the door kind of open and maybe another person in the car. So it also seemed like this car, that they were all together. Hmm. And that the the photographer and this model, or this subject of this photo, uh, came out of this car while the car was waiting. Okay. And But it wasn't like a quick, we're going to grab a shot. It seemed like this was like a, the car was that was like quasi-parked. Home base. Yeah, for like a 30-minute and they're gonna they're gonna have that car. Somebody's in the car, maybe. Yeah, someone was and, in the car. Okay, there was someone's a, in the car. But the, the other the other uh, scenario here is that car was totally unrelated to the photos being taken. We we don't know for sure that that car was related. Right, but somehow there's a car. There was a quasi parked black car with somebody wait, waiting in it. Yeah, and then there was this kind of like curious photo shoot yeah. situation. So happening. I'm gonna also say something right now. <laughs> this story is not going anywhere. <laughs> There's no payoff. There's no payoff. I've got nothing One for you. One might argue it's not a story. It's not a story. So you once said to me that uh, there's a difference between telling a story, which uh-huh. I'm not good at, okay. and telling a series of facts. <laughs> that is that is true. Which Those I are two different things. I am good at. <laughs> I, and so I've, I've shared that now with some of my friends who have been frustrated with my uh, 
sometimes they call it long-windedness to my storytelling. Okay. And sometimes they call it that wasn't a story. Yeah. And now, now that I've given them your language, it's, that yeah. was just a series of facts. That's just a series of facts. That's so that was a photo shoot I came upon today. Okay. That was today. Yeah, that was this morning. Nice. And you gave me the, the prompt, the topic prompt, photo shoot. Photo shoot. That's, that's the topic. What, that's, the, that's what first, that's came, what to first came to mind. Another thing that came to mind in photo shoot was, of course, class picture day. But I feel like that's oh, a whole yeah. other topic. So I want to kind of flag that as a potential future topic. Just, you, don't, you don't feel like we can go ahead and we can't, we can't broach that? No. Okay. No, because I have, you have a lot to say. You have a lot to that. say about class yeah. picture day. Um, have you ever been the subject of a photo shoot? I have been a subject of a photo shoot. Did it, did it perhaps turn into a magnet that is on our fridge? Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I forgot that you guys still have that. We still have it. Oh, that's really sweet. That's probably the oldest magnet that exists on our fridge. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And still attractive. That was a photo shoot that we had uh, done all, all, during another family vacation. I think it was like a family get-together, and we did a family photos. And then each couple did some photos as well. And then we used the photos from that. Those uh, taken at my parents' house. We used the photos from that to be the save-the-date magnet for our wedding. Right. That we sent out. Now, the photos, it, it's a collage on this magnet. Yeah. And it doesn't look like they were all taken at the same time, but you're telling me they were all... I'm pretty sure they're all taken at the same time. Okay. I thought, like, uh, you're not wearing the same shirt. In no, the, but I think some of them are black and white. Yeah. Which we just did in the... You just did it. In the in the whatever the yeah. company is that we use that dragged and dropped the photos into place and we changed... I, I, I believe. I haven't okay. looked at that in a long time. Okay. Um, so, but that wasn't a full-on... That was just like family photos and then each couple go off and do a couple different photos. So that didn't feel like a full photo shoot, but for our wedding itself, we had a full like photo shoot walking around. Does that mean every family vacation you guys have a photo shoot? Is this a tradition? No. Although yes, uh, not every family vacation, but I think, uh, often we do actually, um, we didn't, we did it two years ago and I turned that into, uh, calendars, uh, where, uh, that I sent to all the, my siblings. Okay. So each It seems like the sort of thing you would want to do. Like if you're going to go to the trouble of getting 26 people in one house, why not photograph that? Yeah. So we have a, it's a, uh, have a family reunion on my mother's side and it's, it's the children of, I think her grandparents grandparents it goes back you know it goes up several generations um and it, and growing up this was this was kind of our big summer vacation every year right mm-hmm. that's what we would go we would do this and it was a tradition to do picture you know the picture time after one of the you know after a saturday night dinner or whatever it was and it's you know the classic all the different um combinations right so you do the families and then you do the different generations and then you do all the in-laws and then you do all the, whatever, whatever those combinations are. Were the outlaws too? I like that. The in, well, there was one. So there was one in-law who said they wanted to call themselves the outlaws, and they wanted to get T-shirts made. And Jess, this was like the third year she she was attending. She, we've only gone a few a few years, and I think we had just been married. And uh, she was she relates this whole story back to me in the in the context of. I barely even know this person and she wants to rope me into a t-shirt plan. I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm on board for that. Um, anyway, so at the end of this, it seems like we have all these years of photographs of all the different, uh, combinations of, of generations and families, but rarely did we get everybody. Mm. And there's only a couple instances that I can remember where it's sort of the, it's, it's the whole group. And I don't know if that was just a function of like, it's hard to get everybody lined up, or what? 
Um, but that seems like if you're going to go to the trouble of getting all of these people here, yeah. you, why not capture it? Yeah. It, seem, so, it seems like a crime not to. Yeah. So my for my parents' 50th wedding anniversary last year, almost everybody came except for, I think, one, one of my brother's wives and a couple of his kids couldn't make it. Um, but everybody but it was, was practically speaking, it was everybody, yeah. everybody who could possibly make it. And we were all there and we, uh, we took a group photo, but it was done on a couple iPhones and it wasn't oh, really you, done. It wasn't like done on a camera. It was, I think maybe one person, one of our fa- uh, parents' friends had a camera, but they actually didn't and the lighting was bad. It wasn't like, and we felt like that was a big missed opportunity. For yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously yeah. Yeah. like yeah. that's like a, and higher, actually, so we're about to have this family vacation, all 26 uh, people. And, we are doing a family photo right now. We're thinking just based on people's schedules and all that, because not everybody's going to be there all the same. You know, we're, it's probably going to be, I think, Sunday afternoon. Which, which is the day, and what's the you know, Monday there? afternoon, Monday afternoon. Uh, um, and the, the, the point of maximum overlap right, of right, everybody's right. schedule. Um, and, uh, but th- I think we're just going to do it and not, not have a professional. Why not? Well, be, I don't think my brother's arranged that, so I think I need to. I think I need to talk to him and see. Somebody should arrange that because it's not that hard. Yeah. Right. And you can't. I mean, because we've done the tripod. Yeah. Timer thing. Have right? you ever gotten one of the person who pressed the button running as fast as they can to get? In That's line usually it, me. Actually, when we do the tripod, we do that for uh, just regular holidays. Uh, right. You know, Easter, Christmas, what have you on the front steps or in the in the living room. Yeah. And I do. I set up the iPhone, do the countdown, and I'm running in. Yeah. So okay. photo shoots, professional photo shoots, though, I've done uh, for work for at the office. We brought in That's photographers true. to do headshots, headshots. And I really, uh, really struggle with that process. I've done it a handful of times. You struggle with being a being, being having, a subject, being a yeah. subject. Of, yeah. Yeah. I do. It's, not, it's surprisingly um, hard. It's it's very hard and it's very it makes you self-conscious. It, I feel very self-conscious. It's like when you're sitting here with just somebody watching you. For example, it's 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 the sort of thing where you just can't help but notice that uh, you're being watched and think about what it's like to be watched, and uh, it, it really um, infuses the whole process with a kind of awkward energy. Oh, maybe that says more about you. <laughs> All I can say is that when I'm having my photo taken, uh-huh. uh, have you ever noticed the quality of the photos that are taken of me when I attempt to smile uh, in a naturalistic way on purpose? Have you ever noticed that? Well, How well does it come out? Um, on a scale of one to, you know, normal. It's not good, Eric. <laughs> and? Um, I don't know what this is about your psyche. I don't either. That when... I genuinely wish there was something I could... If there was a a, 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 a week-long course one could take oh. that would address this particular thing. Have you ever thought about just watching a season of America's Next Top Model? What would that? How would that help? That's like watching. That's like watching uh, the the cooking show. Watching the Olympics before you go try to swim. Like that's not going to help. No, I think there are practical tips. Uh huh. Because it's it's not the Olympics. It's no. Because it's a it's a. I, now I've only seen a few episodes, so I'm actually not <laughs> sure if you this is the right recommendation. Many, okay. Yeah. But I, I mean, people watch cooking shows because they give tips. Um, you watch the Olympics for like the best of the best. Uh, perform. You don't get. They don't get feed. I mean, they get scores and you know results. But okay, but okay. So, so let's but, use but, a cooking but, show for but, example. No, 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 but no. But but Tyra Banks gives uh-huh. feedback. Yes. Two models yeah. on, and this is something I know just because it's in the culture. How to smize? That means smile with your eyes. Yeah, I've heard the term. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I think they also they have judges critiques and they get feedback on I, these things. So I, I would I like, like to suggest you could watch, and just learn about some of these because you know, these people know how to find their angles, uh-huh. find their light. Yeah. 
and I feel like there's some things that you could you could learn to, to make you a better subject. Finding your angle and finding your light strike me as intermediate skills that, given a person who um, has you know has the basics down, how to how to make the most of their picture taking opportunity. And what I'm proposing is, I lack the equivalent of like um, of the basics. Right, but I I, I actually I agree. <laughs> Right. Yeah, definitely. We're on the same yeah. page. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's but, not good. Yeah. Um, but I think that I think this might be the type. This might be one of those situations where, if you, it, like, fake it till you make it. So, do the things of finding your light and finding your angle. Uh huh. And then it might overcome your shortcomings in the basics. So I like, smile without looking like a maniac. <laughs> Again, because like you, like um, you just no, smiled I, right yes, now. That's for right, me, and I'm, you looked perfectly every, fine. <laughs> non, not a man, not like a maniac at all. Not like a maniac at all. But if I took out my camera right now and nope. I took a photo of you and I <laughs> no. said, "Now, Eric, smile." Oh my God! What just happened? What just happened? <laughs> what did you do? Like your smile right now, just keep your smile as you laugh is fine. Well, well, I, I, I don't know. Like I said, this is something I have a, a genuine uh, embarrassment over and wish I could do something about. So it. I think I don't know. I think we just need to do a photo shoot with you where we just like it, it's almost like the where you tickle. Like when I was when I was growing up, I was highly ticklish, and my older siblings would say, "Oh, we're just going to tickle it all out of you. Get the tickle, you know." Which That's by the way, awful is idea. an awful idea. It never That's works. Uh, you, you know, the scared straight program to like for for to keep uh, young kids out of jail. Uh-huh. Uh, by bring, confronting them with uh, prison uh, prisoners to say, oh, you shouldn't go to jail. Yeah. I think we'll do the, it's like shock therapy for you yeah. to like j- just get this photo. I can't, I can't I imagine think, well, any is, world in the way this plan works. If you don't think your works. photo is being taken, you look fine. That's true. So we just need... That's not the problem though. That's a little bit like saying as long as you stay away from soy, you won't get a migraine. It's like, yeah, but we're talking about a scenario where you're in a bath of soy. You're right. I can't smile on purpose. Can you smile on purpose? Yeah, right now. That's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. I that's wor- all I'm looking for. Yeah. That's not, that's not great. It's fine. It's a good... Wait, it's a, what? What's not great? Your uh, on-purpose smile. But it's about a million times better than what I can do. So uh, if, if there were some way for me to learn... Not from watching Tyra Banks and trying my best, but like in the way that you learn any kind of skill that's recognized, like in in the way that you learn to drive, right? Nobody says, oh, go watch somebody drive on a video and then we'll just put you behind the wheel. It's like, no, there's, there's, there's steps and sub steps and you're going to practice with a trained instructor. If there were a, um, uh, having your photo taken version of driving school, I would a hundred percent pay for that. I feel like you need a, like a, uh, a millennial or uh, uh, what's the next one that we're calling them? Uh, Generation Z. Or I'm just thinking you need to become friends with, I was going to say like a teenage girl, but that doesn't sound right. I don't know um, if that's the best suggestion. Who, who will then go around with you to take selfies with you. Again, it, that's just uh, introducing me to, to the trigger of the, of the thing I can't do, right? That's not going to solve the problem. I'm already exposed to this scenario where I'm, I'm uh, uh, failing to uh, meet the standards. So further exposure to that to that trigger doesn't isn't going to make it better what Mm. i need is some way of bridging from where i am now to a to a superior performance uh so if how how would you recommend what advice would you give to somebody else who felt like they uh didn't that they had a a perfectly nice smile right just didn't come out when they were being photographed What, what how would you solve this problem for this other person I mean that's a that's a fine rhetorical trick you're you're doing right there. Thank but you. if if I 
I, if I, thought, I had I an answer, was, I thought it was a pretty rudimentary rhetorical. It trait. was uh, again. If I had an answer, I would employ it. You can't picture an, an answer. But nothing's developing. Uh, what's the next topic? 